All in preparation for the challenges that lie ahead. This is a show that feeds the mind with inspiration and truth on the issues of the day. If it's important to your life, you'll find it here. Hosted by Malcolm Out Loud. Well, as has been stated continuously in the press, people are pouring across our borders unabated. Public reports routinely state great amounts of crime are being committed by illegal immigrants. Well, this must be stopped, and it must be stopped now. Who said that? Wasn't me, folks. It's Malcolm all out here again. Immigration is the topic here. Illegal immigration specifically. Big, big, big conversation now that the general election is in full stream here. I want to introduce you to our very, very dear friend of the show and uh, just a terrific uh, man and always has a, a good uh, focus and scope of this thing. Our dear friend, Dr. Stephen Steinlight, uh, Senior Policy Analyst at the Center for Immigration Studies in Washington, D.C. And by the way, CIS, and that is actually the website, CIS.org, uh, it is uh, a very good, uh, 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 it's so well regarded out there, but it's a, just a great site to go to get the latest in information with all of the de- data on there and, and bloggers, and it, it's good content, folks. Anyways, Dr. Steinlight is one of the nation's leading authorities on immigration trends, policy, and the, well, the politics behind it all, friends, because you can't talk about something like this and not bring politics into it, sadly. Uh, He's also concerned with the nexus between immigration and national security in the age of the jihadist terrorism, which we all understand full well, and uh, the Muslim migration uh, that we're seeing in, well, both Europe, big-time Europe, and the United States. He's written on the refugee policy. Many, many things he's got out there. You take a look. CIS.org is a good site to go to get a lot of information. Dr. Stephen Steinlight, how are you, sir? I'm great, Malcolm, and it's, it's always great to be here. Thank you. We're thrilled to have you always. You're such a gentleman and, uh, and always appreciate your knowledge and insight, sir. Well, I know this is something you study, you understand. All right, so listen, uh, this isn't a test. You didn't know what I was going to start with and what I said uh, prior to your, uh, uh, my quick introduction to you. So tell me what I said up front there. Who said that? And, and again, the truth, I, you, you have stumped me because okay. I can imagine some people saying it seriously and some people <laughs> saying it um, without any seriousness. Hold on, hold on. I got, I got to tell everybody we stumped Dr. Steinlein. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll know immediately who said that was Donald Trump. Okay. Okay, so let's put it into context a moment, okay? So one of the statements on illegal immigration that has received a great deal of press, Dr. Steinlight, was the statement that presidential candidate Donald Trump made in June of 2015 at his announcement speech. And I quote, When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best, They're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems with them. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. Well, I have to tell you, Dr. Steinle, that quote (laughs) was the quote heard around the world. I mean, that quote has been repeated so many times, and I want to start there a moment. Again, the conversation we'll have today is about immigration, about illegal immigration as well. Not so much Donald Trump, but listen... He is the elephant in the room, uh, not to be funny or pun intended here, but he he kind of, you know, kick-started this whole big conversation. You and I had been talking well prior to him saying that over the years here. 
but he kind of kick-started this big conversation. That statement he made, Dr. Steinlight, it was an eye-opener. What did you think when you heard that? Well, I, I, thought, he, I thought he did two things at once. Um, he, did the, he did the country a great service by focusing uh, with, with very powerful rhetoric um, on what is, in fact, an enormous problem. Where I think he did a disservice, and in, in fact a disservice to himself, <clears throat> was, I think, laying a little bit too much emphasis on the activities of um, mm. uh, the least desirable folks. I'm, and I'm talking about whether they're legal or illegal who come here. I mean, uh, the, the, the term rapist. Um, now, there is a crime problem, and I think he should have noted that. There is a crime problem. Uh, that we've had with uh, Mexican immigration. This, by the way, is true legal and illegal. Um, historically, immigrants have always had lower crime rates. We don't see that with the Mexican community, uh, which has higher crime rates. But I think characterizing so many folks as rapists and so on ended up leaving an impression which I think was taken by many as, as, as needlessly needlessly bigoted. My own view would be that the great majority come to make more money. Um, you know, I understand that motivation, uh, but, you know, I believe that we owe our first responsibility and obligation, first of all, to uh, our national sovereignty. People shouldn't be coming into our country in violation of our laws, but mm -hmm. these people are coming in and taking jobs away from Americans and having a... a Illegal immigration is also gigantically expensive uh, because of the costs of welfare and so on and so forth. So, I, I want to give I want to give Mr. Trump a lot of credit for taking it. I mean, it's not as though the issue hasn't been out there, mm -hmm. and and Senator Cruz deserves credit, and and Senator Sessions deserves credit. But Trump was in a position really to uh, uh, to 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 go out there. He certainly knows how to get attention. Um, as I say, I think. The good part was putting it four square in front of us. Uh, the negative was, I think, needlessly stereotyping. And, you know, so somewhere in there, uh, I, I, that's how I would evaluate it. Yeah. So well said. I, I have to tell you, so well said. I, I, I can't stress that enough. If you paid attention, folks, to what Dr. Steinlight was just saying, uh, you understand where he's coming from. And listen, I, I want to say to everybody here, forget a moment whether you like Donald Trump or love him or whether you hate him. That is not what I want to talk about today, because the problem of illegal immigration and immigration in general in America, I think Dr. Steinlight would agree with me, is a much bigger problem for this country than Donald Trump. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the greatest issues that we face. In fact, I would say that it is the most important public policy issue of all, wow. because it's got the greatest capacity to change this country. It can literally unmake it. And right. one of my great concerns watching particularly I mean, things were not great under the Bush administration, but under the Obama administration for the last eight years, uh, and I'm not going to pretend I'm a supporter, uh, I think that you saw a deliberate campaign um, 
to really change the demography of the country via immigration as a way of shifting its politics. That's very interesting. Now, listen, we're going to pause a quick moment here. We're going to just a real quick pause. We'll come back with Dr. Stephen Starlight. Uh, Obviously, we want to talk about what you've just prefaced there. I also do want to discuss with folks... And I, I don't know what Dr. Steinlight's view on this, but I, but I want to tell you, in regards to this whole conversation of the quote being taken in or out of in or out of context about the crime, the rapist, that sort of thing, when it comes to the wall and the Mexicans in the South, what have you, and some of the interesting stats you just said, Dr. Steinlight, about some of the crime within that category of people, um, and how it was taken with the press as bigoted, uh, racist, so on and so forth. And then the whole conversation of the Muslim ban and so on and so forth. And I think the question everybody is asking at this point is this. Is Donald Trump a bigot and a racist? And why would all of these Americans and within the Republican Party choose this man to lead the country if, is it, if he is indeed that? We're going to answer that question just ahead. It's real life. We'll be right back with Dr. Stephen. Well, it is Malcolm Out Loud here, and we are back talking about immigration, illegal immigration, and trying to solve some of the problems here in America. Welcome back to the show. It's real life. I have one of the dearest people, a good friend of the show, Dr. Stephen Steinlight. And again, as you probably know, he's a senior policy analyst at the Center for Immigration Studies in Washington, D.C. If you're looking for some good information and background information, and not just a lot of empty talk and rhetoric, my friends. We all get enough of that on television and radio today. And again, you listen to Dr. Steven Steinlight and you understand where he's coming from. And you kind of get the sense that we do have some real problems here in immigration. I think, you know, I think our I I think we all would probably agree that our political class, friends, I I don't care, both left and right, you pick whatever your poison is. I think they've all done an injustice to uh, our country and to this problem, this core problem, which, by the way, by the way, I talked with Dr. Steinlight about this on national radio well before Trump made this announcement speech in 2015. If you want to have full disclosure here, Dr. Steinlight brought a lot of these issues up with me prior on radio. Absolutely, 100 percent. Obviously, it was Trump's name that brought it all out out in the open. But but here's where, where I want to start, Dr. Steinlight, what really rips me up here. And what I want people to understand what I'm going to tell you next, okay? All right. Whether you are left-leaning, right-leaning, center, or, or have a communist mindset, just hear me out here, please. Okay, kids? Hear me out. So here's the thing. This man comes along, Donald Trump. He makes some pretty provocative statements that, well, a lot of people are thinking. They just don't say it. You know what Trump did early on, folks? He talked in what we call out loud style. We call it the out loud truth. Well, that out loud truth is not what a lot of people want to talk about. They think it, they think it, they understand it, intellectually they get it, but you know, it just may not be the popular thing to say. It may not be politically correct. It may be a lot of things, but here's what really rips me. Dr. Steinlein, and I'll tell you what, I don't know what you think about this, but what really rips me, with fo- you, you folks out there hear me, is too many of you out there 
are not reading the fine print and what's really behind the headlines and the talking points of these corrupt, devious, disgusting media heads and conglomerates who run the media in America, television, radio, internet, you pick it, you name it, social media, Facebook, yeah, there I said it, all of them, you can put them in a bag and shake them up and all you'd get is the same crap that you'd have put in the bag would come out of the bag. The point of this is this. The media, they knew what he said. Did they take it out of context? Hell yes, they took it out of context. I mean, they talked about, you know, well, Trump said, you know, he's a racist because he said all Mexicans are rapists. He never said that. Go back and look at his statement, friends. It's just like with the Muslim ban, Dr. Steinlight. He never said, oh, Muslims, they're this, they're that, they're the other. He talked about a temporary ban. Temporary. You see the word temporary? Look up temporary in Webster's Dictionary and see what it says, Dr. Steinlight. Yeah, by the hell of Take a look at what temporary means. Even for ignorant people can figure that out. Yeah or no, right? This is an incredible thing. Um, uh, Malcolm, I, I read everything every day because I have to. And um, if you read the New York Times and you read the Washington Post in particular and the Wall Street Journal too, unfortunately, to a certain extent, they have been spending every single day putting this guy in a pit and beating on him. And and we're talking not about editorials. They've stopped. They don't know how to write news stories anymore. Every news story is an editorial. And in the beginning, you know, they didn't know what to make of him. They didn't know what to make of this guy. So they tried to describe him as a buffoon, as a, a, a you know, product of reality TV. Um, and then, of course, when he started getting traction, you notice something very interesting happening, and then they shifted the narrative to make him seem like a very dangerous character. He was a fascist, and we began getting all of these analogies to Mussolini and even to Hitler and his rallies. Remember where he asked people simply to raise their right hand the way you would if you were taking a pledge? They weren't giving the stiff arm salute of a Nazi rally, but that's the way they've chosen to try to destroy him by describing him in that way. And what I have to say is fascinating to me as a student of American history is that there's nothing fascistic about his rhetoric, there's nothing fascistic about his ideas, and if you look at his style, uh, he reminds me of somebody in American history, and what's fascinating, if you look at the map, where he has done the best, well, he's obviously done very well everywhere, but if you look at where he's done the best, he's done the best in Appalachia, and he, I believe, is kind of a second coming of Andrew Jackson. He's a Jackson. He's a Jacksonian Democrat. He's a super patriot. He wants to protect people in his, you know, in his way. The people he defines as being under his protection are the ones he's looking after. Ideological consistency doesn't matter to him. He's interested in practical solutions, but he's not a fascist. He's not some foreign force. We had a great president named Andrew Jackson, uh, and by the way, all of the smart folks in Andrew Jackson's time said he was a barbarian who would destroy our democracy. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? It does. What an analysis. I have not heard that put forth. What an analysis that is, Dr. Steinlein. And he got ordinary folks out to vote, people who had never voted before in enormous numbers. 
and that really scared the elite of, of its day as it's scaring the elite of our time. Do you, do you think the biggest reason they're so scared of this man, you put it out there so well there, but uh, uh, they really, they are scared, I'm guessing, of losing their power, and they're trying to paint him into a box of something we know that he probably is not, but I, I do get the sense he is a real patriot. And when you think of patriotism and you think of the great leaders we've had over the millennia here, uh, you know, you really get it. You know what I mean? Well, we've had eight years, and to me, this is the thing about Trump uh, that I personally find most appealing. We have had eight years now of the first president, I believe, in our history, who was what I would call a post-American. Obama is a globalist. Um, he is not an old-fashioned American nationalist by any stretch of the imagination. Great he point. believes in multilateralism. He believes in international institutions. Trump is an old-fashioned nationalist. That's what most Americans remain. Um, and the question is, I think, whether he can send the signal and bring those folks out in significant numbers. And my guess is is that he can. And I think anyone writing on him off at this moment is very, very foolish. I mean, if you look at, you know, voter turnout in our country is a disgrace. I looked at the last six presidential elections. We go to a, a negative figure of just 40% to a max under 60%. In Germany, people vote uh, in, this, in the 70 percentiles, in France, in the 80 percentiles, in Britain, about 70. Can you imagine if Trump went to that silent majority, people who've given up voting, people who see no reason to vote, and he can pull that number up to the 70s from where it is now to in the 60s or the 80s? Um, and I think that's what they're terrified of. They're terrified of you know, what Pat Buchanan called the silent majority coming back, and I, I think it may well. Well, you, you, you hit it uh, again so head-on. I mean, the, the point of Andrew Jackson is uh, phenomenal, but this other point you're talking about is something I speak about in a different sense, but you just nailed it even more, much more eloquent than I have. Uh, in your words of the fact that globalist, if you've looked at, again, uh, please forgive me whether you are an, a President Obama fan or not, you'll have to admit, folks out there, that he has absolutely been a globalist. Now listen, there are a lot of people who believe in the United Nations, they believe in a new world order, they believe in one government, they believe in a lot of things, and, and then you get a lot of, you know, conspiracists who pull off of that and will give you the whole world doom and gloom report. But the point here is if you look at America, my friends, and you look at the greatness of our country, and you look back at how we got here, do you think we got here as a globalist viewpoint? Was that how we really got here? Or did we get here more from a Paul Revere standpoint of, you know, riding through town on the horse and, you know, it, the, the, the patriotism that really drives the, it's the root of America. There's something about Americans. There's something about this country. Friends, if I just stopped this broadcast and I started to play uh, the Star Spangled Banner or America the Beautiful or something, you all would begin to put your hand on your chest, you'd salute, you'd just drop what you were doing and you'd feel so good And because there's something about our patriotism in this country that is unmatched anywhere around the world, Dr. Steinlight, I would say, yeah? I agree with you completely. And when people, and this is, I think, in a way that the, the Trump in a way, the Trump secret. Most people, uh, you know, when they listen to him, 
uh, he is really articulating, I don't mean, I don't mean in, in, in any sense copying or whatever, but he's articulating in the language uh, that Jackson used. And you were talking about that kind of language. Notice that he does not use a complicated diction. It's not because he does. He, he's a highly intelligent guy. Right. But he's speaking very, very deliberately uh, to the average Joe. That is what he's seeking to do. And... Um, that's actually the, the secret issue. sauce, by the way. That, 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 that's actually the secret sauce, folks. And I want to tell you, he, he, Dr. Steinle, just this past couple of weeks ago, I seen a report that he was speaking to folks at about, they say, about a sixth grade level. If you look right. at history again, that is actually where the rubber meets the road. If you can speak to people, what we call plain talk, it's not said in an intellectual way to disregard him, but people who speak in 25-syllable words and over your head, you're going to lose so many people because the last thing you want to do is have to pull out a set of encyclopedias just to figure out what the hell you're saying. Right, and I mean, look, he's, he's not a, an intellectual exhibitionist. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a very smart guy, and he's a very keen politician, and so when he says that, that Hillary Clinton's email problems, he's going to go after them bigly, <laughs> which is a wonderful word, um, we know what he's doing. He's, he's signaling to, to, to Everyone, to ordinary folks, I don't need fancy rhetoric. This is what I. This is what I'm putting forth. But the thing that I guess that I wanted to say is that you don't have to know it's Andrew Jackson, but he taps in when you hear the kinds of statements he's been making about patriotism and love of the country and bringing back its greatness. There's something in people with it mm. resonates very, very deeply oh. and very powerfully. Uh, and as I say, the, the best example of that I know in our history is, is, is Jackson, mm. who, by the way, uh, didn't grow up with a silver spoon in his mouth and made himself, he was fabulously wealthy, was a real estate guy mostly. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, the parallels are actually haunting, really haunting. Yeah. Listen, here's a, uh, I'm going to throw you, uh, I'm, I'm going to admit this up front, I'm going to throw you a curveball right now, a question that you'll probably kick me for later. But here it is anyways, because I love you. Here you go. Should the government allow immigrants who are here illegally, do you think that they should allow them to become United States citizens? Absolutely not. Um, absolutely not. There should be no reward uh, for violating our laws. And the last person I want as a fellow citizen is someone who has already shown disrespect for our sovereignty, disrespect for the rule of law. Um, you know, and I, I was horrified at, at some point. I remember one member of Congress, uh, actually a, a GOP member, wanted to make military service a, a vehicle to return illegal to become legalized. And I was thinking, I don't I think that dishonors the military. It dishonors the flag. These people have committed what is essentially a felony. Um, the, the, the fact that we don't do anything about it has to do with the, uh, what I believe is literally, uh, literally a planned program by our government to um, destroy the enforcement capacities of, of Border Patrol and ICE and USCIS. Um, so we don't do anything about this, but these people are committing crimes nonetheless. And if you stay in America, you know, I love this phrase that the president came up with. He called, talked about, quote unquote, law abiding illegal aliens. Now, there ain't no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 no, no such creature exists. If you stay here and you are under the radar screen, you are using, you're committing identity theft. 
using someone's social security number, you're very often driving on a forged license plate, you're using other forged documents. If you or I, Malcolm, did these things, we would find ourselves in the slammer, um, and yet nothing is done about this. That is a critically <laughs> valid point, critically valid point. I, I never thought of it the way you just said it about what the president says and what others have said, quite frankly, law-abiding illegal citizens. You talk about an oxymoron. Well, and you know, the, what, what's fascinating about this was, and, and here, here was the game that was being played, which was also very dishonest, and that was... This was the way he wanted to um, define the group to whom he wanted to give amnesty. You know, the five to six million parents of the the DACA amnesty, the so-called DACA amnesty group. And the point was to distinguish them from violent felons. Okay, now, gee, I, I want to thank the president for wanting to protect me from violent felons, but then how do we explain the fact that in fiscal year 2013 and 2014, 76,000 violent felons, we're talking about murderers, rapists, kidnappers, were simply let go onto the streets of America, no reporting requirements, no notification to local police. 37% of these people are what in law enforcement are called number ones. Let us say they are the worst of the worst. They were simply let go. Go. So this business about law and law-abiding illegal aliens, as opposed to the others, well, we've got something like close to eighty thousand multiple felons walking down the streets. I mean, you remember at the very beginning of Trump's campaign, there was that adventitious, but you know, it was a horrible thing and politically, I guess, useful. That lovely young woman, Kate Starnley, was killed in San Francisco by a uh, illegal alien who'd been deported five times. Uh, and was a uh, serious felon, uh, and the San Francisco police did not cooperate with the information with the uh, immigration enforcement folks. They did not hold him uh, for a quote unquote uh, detainer, uh, and he went out and killed the young woman for no reason at all. I mean, this is madness. I mean, what we really have is is essentially anarchy. When it comes to immigration, we have anarchy, which uh, has caused a lot of problems. I want to ask you specifically about the H one B visa for just a moment here. And there was an interesting quote that I picked up in one of the speeches that Trump had had. But I, I, I wanted to bring it back to H one B. He says here, "I will end forever the use of the H one B as a cheap labor." program, an institute, an absolute requirement to hire American workers first for every visa and immigration program, no exceptions. Talk to me on that quote, please, what your thoughts are. Well, my thoughts are that in the main, he's correct. I mean, if there are occasions when a particular skill, a very, I would think, given the kind of talent we have in this country would, would have to be a very unusual one were required. It seems to me that uh, that industry uh, should be able to uh, have an exemption. But the fact is that you know these H-1B visas um, are going uh, for skilled jobs. I mean, obviously, we, we quite rightly focus a great deal on folks who are being hit uh, you know, at lesser skilled levels, so a lot of our working class. But the H-1Bs are hitting people, you know, in the so-called STEM fields, you know, science, technology, these things. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, 
we produce the most brilliant computer technology, most brilliant computer engineers in the world. Whether they're in many of them, in many cases, young people coming out with undergraduate degrees or people coming out with graduate degrees. If there were a need to bring folks in, we would know that because the jobs would be scarce, and we would have noticed that the wages would have gone up, except that the wages have gone down for seven straight years. So it's not about, and Trump is correct, it's not about bringing in people that we vitally need to do things to make our economy work better or make our medical sciences better. It's simply to pay people less to do the same job. And in some cases, paying people a lot less. Um, and, you know, I don't have in my head some notion of what people ought to get paid, but I do know that as an American, I think that my fellow citizens ought to have first crack at the jobs. Well, it seems to me, Dr. Stani, the H-1B visa program has been um, abused. As I recall in, in the business world, as I was there for many years, uh, the H-1B visa, one of the, uh, one of the whole asterisk points to the H-1B visa is that you could only really keep them here for an extended period of time if there was this exclusivity to their abilities and that it wasn't taking a job from an American. Wasn't that one of the foundational points of this whole program? Yes, it was. And, it, and, and of course, it's nonsense. And, and Malcolm, the other point is this. And, and by the way, this really, quite frankly, applies to all of the other questionable work-related visas like L1s and all, all of them. We say that people are supposed to go home after a certain period of time. Who's going to enforce that? No one gets deported from America. You know, I'm sorry. I mean, we hear all this stuff about Obama being the great deporter. We know for a fact that that's a lie. We know for a fact that since he came into office, deportations are down 40-something percent. I mean, you'd have to almost threaten to immolate yourself in front of the White House to get deported, and my guess is they would keep your ashes here. You just can't get deported. <laughs> we don't have, you know, right now they are literally, t I mean, I know this is going to sound very strange to people listening to me, but trust me, please, I'm not crazy. Um, ICE officers, you know, Immigration Customs Enforcement, their job is to find internally illegal aliens and deport them. They are being told not to bother reporting to work because the administration doesn't want to do that. Um, uh, people in the USCIS, these are vital people now when we're facing terrorist threats. Their job is to go through and assess, you know, assess visa applications and screen them. What's happening in that branch is that the people who are really diligent about it and wave red flags, they get fired or demoted because nobody wants to hold up the process. And our border patrol agents are told, don't bother arresting anybody because we're not going to bother prosecuting them. Wow. Which is why these folks have the lowest morale of anyone in government. And these are terrific Americans doing, you know, <laughs> doing jobs that are potentially extremely dangerous. And, and these are people who are highly patriotic and motivated by desire to uphold the law. And they're literally being told not to. I mean, they instituted the ICE union, instituted a lawsuit didn't go ahead, unfortunately, against the president for essentially saying to them, 
uh, that they have to violate their oath, which is to uphold the law. Right, right. All right, put your put your uh, forecast hat on for me, uh, and your 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 uh, crystal ball. I guess you probably have somewhere in the room there. Uh, take that out, dust it off for me, and look ahead for me as we come through the 2016 uh, historical election that it is. And tell me, first of all, uh, let's just do a quick back and forth on a few points here. Number one, um, you essentially believe uh, that you, you, you believe that Donald Trump may very well be the next president, don't you? I think it's, I think it's perfectly possible. I, yeah. I, 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 I don't know what the odds are, but I think it's certainly within their own possibility. All right. So let's say he is it. Let's talk about if he is and then if he's not. So if he is it. So with your crystal ball, what happens with immigration and illegal immigration on all the talk, all the conversation, everything that's happened? What are the, what are the one, two, three, fours do you think that take place then? What, what really happens? Well, I think, I, I, I think that um, it may be our last opportunity to save the country um, because we will have a president who has made this his first priority. Now he's talked about the wall. Um, let them build the wall. Uh, walls work. Ask the Israelis. No suicide bombings in Jerusalem. Build the wall. Um, he's talked about tripling the number of ICE agents, of Border Patrol agents, and of USCIS agents. You know, go ahead. Um, he's talked about ending birthright citizenship. He's talked about a myriad of things which really finally get this under control. And what worries me enormously is that um, the Democratic candidate, Hillary Clinton, has said she is going to run to the left of Obama on immigration. I didn't know there was any room on Obama's left. She's basically talking about an immediate amnesty for everyone here and also doubling legal immigration. By the way, in terms of numbers, you know, I, I don't know if anyone's talked to her about them, what the demographic impact of that would be, but most good number punchers, our own, our, our own guy at CIS, Steve Camerata, um, or the folks at Heritage have, have, have looked at, if we simply let, we, we simply let immigration continue, but let's, let's imagine if we doubled it, um, we would end up by 2060 with a 56% uh, Increase in our increase in our population. What would that mean? That would be the essential, the equivalent of adding all of the population of France, Spain, and Great Britain to the United States. We'd have 13 additional cities the size of New York. And I just say to the American people, Do you want that? And if you don't, then you've got to stop it because it will happen. You know, it's it's very often the stuff that just goes on, you know, quietly. It's just the continuation of stuff that we don't stop. Uh, and that's that. It seems to me is a horrific future because you know we are a great and very blessed country, but you know the West is a desert. Uh, California's got a drought. Uh, there there are limits on you know what is sustainable in terms of growth, and that's true of population as well. And this, if if we end up with uh, with a situation where administration comes in, you're going to see the wages of American workers go down even further. By the way, 
Only a couple of months ago, the, the Pew Center for Research reported that most Americans are no longer middle class. The only group of people, the only category of people uh, that has increased since 2000, now we're going back a long time, are households making $38,000 a year and less. Mm. I mean, so we're going, if this is a rush to the bottom, and we all know that the more, you know, in a loose labor market, the more you add, the lower the pay is. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to be a genius to understand that. I mean, not, not the smartest economist in the world has managed to outsmart the law of supply and demand. If we flood the country, and I'm not now even talking about the cultural issues, which are potentially enormous. Mm -hmm. I'm just talking about the economic side. We're going to have a gigantic underclass. We ourselves will risk becoming a third world country. So uh, there's no, yeah, and w we've only got just a moment left here, but I will say there's, there's no need for me to ask you the other questions. You already answered them, which was what would the opposite be like if we don't get this to be at front and center uh, in this election? And you've already addressed it when you said that this may be the last opportunity to get it right. And you might as well tear up the Constitution, and you might as well say, we no longer believe in the rule of law. Wow, wow. Dr. Steven Steinlight, uh, just always a, a pleasure to get your insight. Senior Policy Analyst at the Center for Immigration Studies in Washington, D.C., CIS.org. You'll find out more there. And we will keep tabs with Dr. Steinlight on all these things as he continues the road forward in immigration. And there's a lot ahead to talk about in this topic, my friends. You better brace yourself and you better get involved in the process real quick. That's for certain.